What is this place? We have safe houses like this throughout the galaxy. Trying to link the systems. Some call it the path. You're not the first Jedi to come through here. It all leads to Jabeem. From there we give them new identities and, and get them out. There's a lot of good people risking their lives out there. Were they all Jedi? Not all. These days the Empire hunts anyone who's force sensitive. Even children. What happens to them? We're not sure. No one ever sees them again. Quinlan was here. Yeah, he helps now and again. Smuggling younglings. What does it say? Only when the eyes are closed can you truly see. See what? The way. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This is episode number 472, Kenobi Parts 3 and 4. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Darth Vader and Princess Leia. To my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire and Jen Subchuk-Chai Banker. Welcome, Jen, to the, to the Wampas Lair. <laughs> Thank you, and hello there. Uh, the season of Obi-Wan, we don't know how many times we're going to be able to say that, right? That is <laughs> very, very true. You've to take the opportunity. I saw people people talking about the missed opportunity in part three when they first meet um, Freck. And she's like, Father, say hello. And he doesn't say hello there. He just says hello. He says hello. But you know what? <laughs> my, my favorite ho- hello from Obi-Wan is actually in Attack of the Clones when he goes in to interrupt Yoda's class and uh, all the younglings say, hello, Master Obi-Wan. He just goes, hello. Like, he's so bored with them. Yeah. <laughs> just like, or like very awkward. Like, yeah. I didn't expect to be put on. You know, yeah, on display here. In the center of attention here. It's like on display here. Yeah. Hello, Master Obi-Wan. Hello. Uh, um, to me, I like that's some the, important that's information, the, yeah. Master Yoda. <laughs> you know? That's the, anyway. That's the hello he's giving to Freck. Not he's not he's not yeah. Freck's no general grievous. This is just a bunch of random younglings to Obi Wan. So <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Jen, I'm so excited to have you on. Uh, it's been so fun interacting with you on social media, and I know you and our our good friend Greg Cass, who's been on several times, uh, are very good friends. Go back a long way, and I know you two have done some podcasts over on Rebel Base Card, which have been an absolute delight to listen to. Um, you do a great blog, which we'll talk more about towards the end of the episode. Um, so I'm just super excited to have you on. So thanks for making the time to, to come on with us. Oh yeah, no problem. I'm super excited to be here. You know, I've, I've, I've been a listener for a while. Um, originally I think I have to admit 
that Ion Cannon, Greg Cass's uh, um, guest appearances, is what originally, you know, allowed me to discover uh, the Whompers Lair. But I've really enjoyed um, all your thoughtful breakdowns of everything. Occasionally, I am not very good at keeping up with the the books. Um, and so sometimes it pains me to skip an episode of yours because <laughs> I want to, you know, make sure I read it before I listen. Um, but, you know, the Attack of the Clones you know, celebration, because uh, I don't think there's a better way to describe those episodes, uh, were amazing and sort of, as someone who's had to sort of like be a closeted prequel lover for a while now, <laughs> um, it's nice to, to to feel the love and be like, oh, it's okay to like these movies now. <laughs> it's always been okay to like those movies with me. Um, I, I have been made fun of it before for it, but, you know, I don't care. I'm, I'm nerdy enough and to be okay with that. I don't know where <laughs> I was going and it just yeah. fell off. So never mind. Uh, but yes, I'm glad you enjoyed those episodes. Um, we had a ton of fun with Attack of the Clones. Um, so, but now we're, we're into Obi-Wan Kenobi territory, which is in nuts. It's just yeah. insane. Like yeah. I've been eager for this show for years and now we're finally talking about it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. And, and, uh, so right. Like as Jason said, we're, we're going to talk the, the most recent two episodes, of course, as this episode comes out, the fifth episode will, will be also premiering. So we'll be one episode behind. Uh, but hopefully you'll still want to be thinking about the, the previous two episodes, three and four. Um, that's what we'll be talking about on this particular episode. Um, rather than doing deep dive minute by minute reviews though what we've kind of chosen to do is kind of do a, a round robin discussion um just sharing a couple of highlights from each particular episode for for the three of us so that's kind of the way we're going to tackle this um and jen because you're here and because i mentioned obviously rebel base card which is with the two gregs over there wonderful wonderful guys the two of them um i really love their format of the show the way they just ask questions i think it's a brilliant way of doing a podcast and in 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 this new era of star wars podcasting where everyone it seems like every week there's a new star wars podcast um it's pretty hard to stay original and and i don't mean this is a as, as a slam on anyone who's not like that but i just think something that is simple is like hey we're just a discuss- we're a question based podcast i think is a is a really innovative idea so um, kudos to the two Gregs um, for that. Um, but Jen, before we dive into the Kenobi episodes in general, or in particular, uh, I always love to ask new guests just a couple of quick, fun Star Wars questions. So my favorite question to always ask a Star Wars fan is, "What is your favorite Star Wars movie?" Oh, okay. Um, yeah, this is hard because I love them all. Um, I am, I am like the, you know, the give me, give me everything and I love it all. I'm excited for it all. Uh, sort of Star Wars fan. Um, I, I, you know, I, I am, if, you know, my classic answer is usually Empire Strikes Back. Um, I, my cats are named Wampa and Tauntaun. And so Hoth has, has like a very special place in our household. I didn't know you had um, cats, Jen. Wow. You're even more incredible than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, and they're, you know, they're the right color and their personalities match. Like the one who's named Wampa is, you know, is, is the kind of cattier quote unquote of the two. The other one you would, would totally let anyone slice him open and use him for warmth. It's like. <laughs> He would just be like, okay, this is happening now. Um, yeah, so yeah, so that's kind of my, my sort of like classic answer because um, I think that's kind of where my the, the my love of the franchise really started. But I'm I'm a huge uh, fan of the um, the animated series in particular. You know, I love Clone Wars. Rebels, I think, is probably my favorite. Um, 
I think the recent epiphany that I had uh, at Star Wars Celebration recently uh, was that my favorite Star Wars character is Ahsoka Tano. And I don't think I knew wow. that about myself until I you know, was sitting around with, with our friend Greg um, and some others. And we were just kind of like, you know, saying, like, who are your favorite Star Wars characters? And and then my one friend who is more of a casual fan at the end of the weekend, he was like, I think your favorite character is Ahsoka because you get so incredibly excited when anything <laughs> is related to her. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, this was as I was like forcing him to wait in line for me to buy these like uh, Ahsoka lightsabers that I didn't know were still available at Gal- when we were at Galaxy's Edge. And I was like, we changed the plans. We have to drop everything. <laughs> I need these lightsabers. And he was very supportive. And he was like, OK, <laughs> like, um, so. So yeah, so that's kind of my general answer, but I really, I really love it all. Um, and it's what what's actually been so so fantastic about this Obi Wan series is that it really kind of embraces the prequel trilogy, which I grew. I that was you know I I had wore out VHS tapes when I was a kid of the original trilogy, but it was really the prequel. You know, Phantom Menace came out when I was in high school. And that was what introduced me to be, that was really what made me a Star Wars fan in the kind of like all encompassing sense, right? Because I was like really excited for the um, the theatrical releases of those films. I went to all of them opening weekend and, you know, I had an inflatable Jar Jar Binks chair that I got for my birthday. <laughs> yes, I remember uh, those. Know, <laughs> uh, I collected all those Pepsi cans. And kept them on my bookshelf, and, and I had to get rid of them because the Pepsi actually like coagulated and corroded through the cans, and it was really sad because oh, I wanted no. to keep them forever. Um, turns out I should have emptied them and then just kept the cans. Uh, so. <laughs> Lesson learned. Lesson learned. Uh, for those, you know, if there's any like, because I know there's some Obi Wan cereal that's come out or something, yeah, just like just remove the perishable part of that equation for everybody <laughs> if, you're, if you're planning on collecting that stuff. Unless you're Jazz, um, yeah, in our- which case you make a video. Sh- you know, eating twenty-year-old Attack of the Clones cereal. Yeah, um, I asked which him. I, I, said, I asked him if he got sick after, and he said he goes, "I didn't feel great, but I didn't get sick." <laughs> so, okay, that's a win, I guess. I guess it's also I, just a reminder of how many preservatives are in cereal. <laughs> so, that's terrible, right? Um, so I, th- I don't think it's a. I don't think it's really a win-win. So. <laughs> No, um, but actually, no. That's that's so cool, though, Jen. Because my my follow up question is always, "Who's your favorite character?" So, thank you for sharing that epiphany about Ahsoka. Um, that's that's just so cool. I I part of me was like, I was like, what if Jen just throws us through a loop here? And I say, "What's your favorite movie?" And you just say, "The Clone Wars movie." I'd be like, "Wow." <laughs> there are things like <laughs> Last Jedi and Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope floating in the in the in the atmosphere, but you're right. like, "No, no, no, Clone Wars the movie." <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I do have fond memories of seeing that with Greg uh, in the theater. Amazing! And there's a there's a there's a Savage Press poster that we have from something, and we were talking about this. And we're like, do you still have that? I don't know. Where is it? Like, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Greg has. I it. think he still has it. But yeah, yeah so the, there's yeah there's like the, yeah fond memories of that. And I remember you know to go back to my Ahsoka Tano answer. You know, I have a fond memory of walking out of the theater and everyone kind of being like, "What's the deal with?" that padawan like is she annoying do we like her we're not sure um and so it's been so wonderful to see to like grow up with her basically um over time and see to to see her story really uh flesh out yeah and uh she's gonna get a whole show all to herself next year so yeah and that's cool and like 
I know this isn't even we're not even in Kenobi yet, and I apologize, everybody. But uh, you mentioning that also just makes me think of the fact that Ashley Eckstein is kind of like embodies that Ahsoka energy. And even though she's not playing Ahsoka in, you know, the upcoming series and stuff. And I know folks have a lot there. There are a lot of varying opinions about how folks feel about that. And I think they're all valid. Um, but I just love how Ashley Eckstein herself, though, has, she's kind of just embodied that Ahsoka spirit. And she just she's made such a space in fandom for particular types of people. Um, and I think that irregardless of the fact that she is physically personifying the character in the fictional story, she's kind of living the character in our real world, which I just think is really awesome. Yeah, so that's 100 yeah. percent true. So. But yeah, I'm a did, big a big her universe shill. So like, anyone <laughs> need has questions about sizing for the for her universe, love, come talk to me. Hit me up on Twitter. Jen is like, so, so, all all these comments are brought to you by her universe. <laughs> right, right. So did you get to meet Ashley Eckstein at Celebration? That's the question. I did. You know, that's that's kind of my one regret. I did not. I had. I did see her. Um, in 2015 when when she was in anaheim and you know she was a lot less sort of on people's radar back then Mm -hmm. um and i have i have an autograph from her that i got through her university she she used to i don't think actually they do the probably because too many people would want them but um you know back when her university first started she used to do these sort of like holiday promotions where it's like if you buy so much from her universe like you get a, a pin with like a that's signed by ashley so like so i have stuff from her and i have seen her at previous celebrations i yeah i there's just there was just too much to pack into this past one that i didn't have time and and she all of her events like sold out pretty mm. fast i want to say yeah, um that she, there was like right. a breakfast that she had with sam whitwer that was like gone in 30 seconds uh, <laughs> i believe so. it uh yeah no, that's the thing about those big conventions is that you never get to do everything you want to do just because there's so much to do and Something always overlaps with something else. So, yes. But anyway, anyway, um, Kenobi. <laughs> we got some Kenobi to talk about. Uh, so yeah, it, it, part three. Um, I kind of. By, by the way, I kind of like that none of the episodes have names, right? Like, so we're used to Boba Fett and Mandalorian, where each each chapter gets a title. I kind of like the cinematic feel of the Obi Wan mm-hmm. openings. I love that it always, you know, the credits. As much as I love the the concept art with with Mandalorian and Boba Fett, I love that we just get the star field with the blue lettering. Um, it, it just feels it just feels so cinematic. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's purposeful too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that there's no episode title. There's part. It's part one, part two. So that it's they're telling us that they want us to think of it all as one big story oh, as opposed to small parts. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. I heard that. There's like a couple of theaters in Canada or something that's doing a uh, a special thing like right right when the the sixth episode comes out like you can go to the theater buy a ticket and watch the entire mm-hmm. series all in one chunk yeah. and I'm like are they going to announce that for the states it, like anytime soon because if there's something nearby I'm going. So. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that on Twitter, and there was a there's a Q and A with Deborah Chow afterwards as well. I saw advertised like basically if you I think it's Cineplex. Yes. Again, we get no money from these companies that I'm mentioning. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, right. But if you're listening, please get us to one of those screenings. Um, <laughs> yeah. The the I think it's Cineplex. I remember I saw that on Twitter too and got really excited. I clicked on it. There didn't there was information about the event, but no specific details in terms of like how to get tickets or like when and where it was happening and and that sort of thing. So I guess we'll just have to keep keep a watch out yeah yeah um and i the most recent thing i heard too is that they're invite only um 
So, oh, that would make sense. So we won't be. That would make sense. I won't be getting invited. I don't get anything. I know so. they listed the total <laughs> runtime though, and so people like, were trying to math out how long the last two episodes right. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Based on, <laughs> yeah, I think it was like five hours and twenty four minutes. Yep. But there was discussion of like, does that include the the Q and A that they're talking about? Is that sure. like, do we literally just subtract what we've watched so far, and that's what's left? Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, no, no. Well, <laughs> part three, much like episode three. Is a very fiery episode. Um, lots, mm. of, lots of lots of stuff in this one. We did there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Jason, I'm gonna ask you what what's the first thing, or what's what's the first thing you want to mention from part three that stood out to you? The first thing I want to mention about part three uh, is actually a a small little moment that happens in the back of a truck, in the back of Freck's truck, uh, when Obi Wan calls uh luma leia and then he has to make up why he called her that and he describes you know how he sees her mother in her every time he looks at her uh and the follow-up conversation that leia has with obi-wan about that because obviously he's thinking about padme uh when he you know says all of that and it was just a really touching moment and it was it was nice because obviously on the surface it's all about you know how how he sees Padme and her and stuff like that, but that also connects Anakin, who Anakin was, mm. not the Anakin that that you know he had to fight as Darth Vader at the end of Revenge of the Sith, um, and and because he knows who the father is too, and he's like it's not me, unfortunately. I wish I could say, but no he knows who the father is too. So it's like the, the fact that he gets that moment and he gets to, to really tell her not necessarily directly, but in the context of the story that they're giving to the stormtroopers, Yeah. I see your mother in you and it's, you know, it's a special thing. And it was a really great, great interaction between Obi-Wan and this brilliant little actress that plays Leia. Um, I think she's fantastic. So uh, yeah, uh, that was, that was a moment that was really, really special in, in this part for me. Yeah. That's a great one. That on my list too. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to, do you want to follow up with it then Jen? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, I think that in the series overall, the relationship they've built or are in the process of building between Leia and Ben is, is probably the strongest part of, of the entire series for me. Like those scenes always, they always, you know, cut straight to the heart for me. Um, and I love that, you know, just as much as Anakin is sort of a, a specter hanging over Obi-Wan throughout the series, right. You know, sometimes literally through Vader when we see him other times, just through his memories. Um, I love that Padme is kind of like as much as present spirit in the series as well, right? Mm. Through, through his, mm. these comments that he makes. And um, yeah, this one worked really well because it, and, and it never distracts from the story either, which is what I love too, is like, he's, it's, it's functional. Like he's finding the truth in the lie that they have to tell to survive. Right. So that's, that's mm. his way of making it believable. In addition to also kind of like, you know, working through his feelings about um, his, his friends who are, long, are gone. Yeah. It, he's processing his guilt this way. And, think that's i think that's the big 
underlying thing that's happening in the show so far. Um, and it really kind of comes to a head in part three, I think. And now after, you know, the end of this episode is where, how does he, you know, move on from that? You know, he's sort of processing the guilt. How does he overcome it? And I think that's where we're starting to see things in episode four and then hopefully the rest of the, the show. So, um, but yeah. yeah. And he's really also seeing it's not just uh, processing it, but I think trying to make amends too, right? Because mm-hmm. I think he's now, what he realizes with Leia, right? He initially said no to going to save her, but I think, you know, now that he's doing it, he's realizing, oh, like, I have a second chance. I have a second chance with Luke and Leia. I can, if I can be a better mentor in these moments to, like, and, you know, and because I think he is much more vulnerable with with uh leia than he ever would have been even with the young anakin right um in terms of just like making himself emotionally available yeah. um yeah know, it, i don't i don't know how i have not thought of this before and i'm sure lots of people have so i'm sure it's not an original thought but it did just strike me though that he is interacting with a 10 year old leia that's the same age anakin was when he became his apprentice um so that point is even more salient jen with the fact that this is certainly not how he was dealing with 10-year-old Anakin. I mean, granted, very different circumstances. He's not on the run trying to protect somebody. He's training a young Jedi Knight. Um, But still, what a a great observation. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, And part of that's inspired by um, I'm in the the middle of, I haven't finished it, so no spoilers, but I'm in the middle of reading Mike Chen's Brotherhood um, at the behest of Greg. (laughs) Um, And and, yeah, so much of that reminds me of how you know, in the prequel trilogy, so much of their relationship, especially on Obi-Wan's end, is defined by what he did never said, what is not said, yes. right? Um, what he kind of, like, felt about Anakin but never told him or, yeah. you know, like, missed opportunities for, for talking to him about stuff. And so um, to see them so becoming so close so quickly um, with Leia is, uh, is really nice to see. Absolutely. Um, well, my the first thing that I wanted to point out for part three that stood out to me is really just I love the very first part of the episode where we get Obi-Wan on his knees essentially in prayer. Um, and it's mm-hmm. this prayer of distress. Uh, I love the close up shot of him kind of wringing his hands like he can't even like keep his hand still because he's just so emotionally overwhelmed and he's he's calling out for Qui-Gon again. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, it would be a massive mistake to not have Qui-Gon at least speak in this show. Um, I don't, I would be so damn surprised if that didn't happen. Um, And I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that annoying person. who's like, they have to do this, but I'm sorry. They have to do that. (laughs) Um, And the fact that he's calling on Qui-Gon already twice in the episode, like it's going to happen. And I think they will. Yeah. I think they will. But I think three out of the four episodes, he, mentions Qui-Gon by name. Right. So yeah. uh, I believe part four is the only one he hasn't mentioned Qui-Gon or, or, or yeah. tried to reach out to Qui-Gon. So sure. this is high, this is highly on, on their minds as well, the writers right. and the, the creators of the show. So I would imagine we're going to get it. Yes. But yeah, it, it has to happen, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, okay. it, and if you put it in the context of the larger Disney Plus series, you know, thing that's happening now right like because we've gotten a lot both through marvel and star wars we've gotten a lot of these um six or or a few more episode uh limited series i think the biggest takeaway is like nothing's wasted because they only have these six episodes and 
you know, you know, it's like Chekhov's Rancor from Book of Boba Fett, right? Like if, if there's a thing that they're mentioning a lot yeah. and there's a thing we're seeing, it's not just for the sake of it. It's it's going to be come into play later on. So I feel like that mm-hmm. makes me much more confident that we're actually going to get um, Qui-Gon. I do love the the point that you both made in the previous episode about how, you know, it's much more likely actually for it to be a voice of Qui-Gon if based on kind of previous uh, lore and kind of like his his journey with um, connecting with the Force after death. So mm-hmm. um, I think yeah. I think people should 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 manage their expectations in terms of like will Liam Neeson show up or yes. will it just be his voice yeah. talking to yeah. him? Well, yeah. I mean, irregardless, either way, I think it needs to happen. Um, yeah. And and I just and oh. so I, I love how that this is the, how the middle of this series is opening is with this very distraught obi-wan he can't even and what i'm what i'm wondering is is has he ever had communication with qui-gon in the previous 10 years um i i would love to know that i would love to know did he lose touch with it um because you, you know it's it's he's clearly in a very down place when we meet him in 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 part one mm-hmm. um and but when when he drops off baby luke to owen and beru at the end of episode three he gives us that cute little Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan grin as he kind of walks off and entrusts them to this. Obi-Wan felt much more hopeful at the end of episode three than he does at the beginning of this series. So does he actually communicate with Qui-Gon early on and then lose that touch because of his lost connection to the Force? I don't know. I feel like that'll get answered. But irregardless, here in this moment, he's calling out to Qui-Gon again. Whether it's because he's had contact with him before or not is not really at what matters but what matters is that he's looking for help outside of himself he really is afraid in this moment um Mm -hmm. and and then that spills into this beautiful quick little parable he tells leia about the force because she asks what it feels like um and i this is a question that only a child can ask right um and it's it's so beautiful and innocent and pure and she just i mean yes we get the the funny little once again like that's not how the force works um but he's he's providing a parable for i think more of what he needs than anything else and he talk he right he describes it as what does it feel like when you turn on the light i feel safe yeah that's what it feels like um so i think in this moment he doesn't at this at this point he doesn't and that's what he's he's, looking for but it's what he's looking for and that's what he's asking qui-gon for is to be with him to give him his strength because he knows anakin is coming um, and is coming for him. So I love how the this the episodes be kind of begins there with him kind of pleading out, and and we get to see again. I just I love that physicality of his hands. Um, you know, and there's a lot of Star Wars folks out there. I know Sky Talkers podcast is big on this, but all about hands as a language. And you know, uh, this is to me the most. I don't know. This is the first time hands have ever gra- really, really grabbed me in such a way. It's just <laughs> watching Obi-Wan wring his hands like that. Like I've been in prayer slash meditation before where you're so frustrated by something you can't even focus. Um, and that's Obi-Wan in this moment. And I love it. It's brilliant. Yeah, um, that's great. So uh, what's another one for you, Jason, from part three? Uh, another one for me in uh, part three is Tala and the path. Um Tala is a great addition to the show, by the way. I think she's fantastic. I love the idea of of a Jedi sympathizer who joined up, you know, because she the Empire was something she thought it wasn't. Um, 
and then realized what it really was and decided to do something about it while still staying inside. Uh, and, you know, I think she's a fantastic, you know, glimpse inside the empire at this point and, uh, establishing sort of this, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, underground railroad for Jedi, um, and force sensitives, uh, as they try to escape the, the empire, the reach of the empire and the inquisitors and how that all is working. And the fact that it leads to a place called Jabim, which for those of us, Clone Wars, Dark Horse comics readers will know is a absolutely horrifying uh, six-part series uh, where a bunch of Jedi die there, um, <laughs> including, assumedly, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, he's supposedly dead at that battle. Um, that doesn't you know, bode well. No, series. <laughs> no, it doesn't, by the way, because um, they're going back to Jabim uh, at the end of part four. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, all of that is really cool. And the fact that, uh, you know, Quinlan Voss is still around and associated with the path is really neat. Uh, and we get, you know, the the Jedi icon scrawled into the wood there which I think is fantastic. Uh, it's, it's a really, really cool thing to see this because I, I think a lot of us assumed that there was stuff like this and we knew that there were people who tried to help hide Jedi and stuff like that. But it's nice to actually see something organized and actually kind of, you know, understand how it was set up and working uh, a little bit. So I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah, that was, that was a big, a big part of this episode for me. Yeah. Yeah. I had that on my list as well, but as for slightly different reasons, I think in the context of Obi-Wan's journey, going from broken and having lost his faith to hopefully, you know, we, st- we've started to see, see a, the transformation a little bit, but hopefully kind of at least regaining some hope and confidence, uh, in himself and in, in, in the cause. Right. Um, but I think, Tala and the path and kind of like what he sees there and realizes there is so crucial to motivating him. Right. Because he asks her, you know, why do you do this? Mm. Uh, And, and, and her answer is basically like, because I know I can help. Right. Mm. I have to do something. Um, And, and then the same thing with his reaction to seeing Quinlan Voss's name. Um, I went back and rewatched hunt for zero, by the way, after (laughs) seeing this episode. (laughs) Great episode. It's so fun. I for, I had for, totally forgotten about the whole like femme fatale size noodles like like in the bayou. Like it's a crazy, it's a wild episode. Um, Mama. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, why why does Zero the Hut? I forgot. Why does he not actually speak Huttese like everybody else? Like um uh, because there's no yeah. way you're going to get that voice in Hatties. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and then like halfway through the episode, you're like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> it's fine. Right. Um, but yeah, anyway, I digress. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that through Tala and through seeing that this is, you know, that, that his decision, Obi-Wan's decision to just shut himself away and to, to, you know, to survive by just completely denying everything that he was before that that that's not the only option and sort of opens his eyes to wait i i didn't have to be just kind of by myself in the desert not using the force all this time um 
And so for me, that seeing the path and, and, and having Tala talk to him is, is really powerful for the overall journey that he's on in the series. Yeah, well, and then this is this is clearly a moment we all agree on because this is another one I was going to talk about too, um, and yeah, I don't know that I have much more to add on top of this. Uh, I I love little moments like this though, where it, it encourages that that part of me when I was a kid that loved to like pause the Star Wars movies, my VHS tapes to like look at everything in the background. This is one of those scenes where it's like, I want to, I want to decipher all the Orabesh, but we also live in the 21st century of social media where somebody's already done that like 10 minutes after the episode came out. So I don't have to do it. I can just go to somebody else's work. Um, but one right. of the names also <laughs> scrawled on the wall. And we talked about this in the last episode, Jason, but uh, the fact that Corin Horn is the young boy that they help escape in episode two, uh, the name of his father from, legends canon is scrolled on the wall in uh in that safe house so corin horn i think might show up in the future of star wars which is pretty pretty cool um that's awesome yeah uh, i'm trying to remember his father's name i don't remember uh, i don't remember Anyways, either. i'll look it up yeah later. yeah anyway um but no i mean what like you said jen i mean I think what's so important about this for obi-wan is just seeing how many people are still doing what they can um, and doing what they can to protect Jedi like this isn't um, particularly to reestablish the Jedi order, but simply to help people who are part of it get a new life. Right. Because the whole point of going to Jabim is getting new identities so that they can just matriculate into cultures and societies and hopefully live a full life. Not as Jedi anymore, but at least safe. Um, and uh I love just the way Obi-Wan lights up when he says Quin- Quinlan's name. I mean, it's, it's such a connection to a, a part of his past that he clearly loves and, and, and is missing. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just, and what's so also important about it is the fact that it's not just Jedi. It's also anyone who's force sensitive um, mm-hmm. because, and this has been something that's been explored since the clone wars, you know, Sidious has been trying to take force sensitive children for a long, long time. And, you know, for lots of folks that still hate that he came back in episode nine, which that's fine if you do, but there's been lots of reasons in canon for the fact that Palpatine could have survived return of the Jedi. Like that's not, that shouldn't blow your mind. Sidious has been doing weird things his entire life. Um, so, but the fact that they're doing this to protect anyone who's force sensitive, um, you know, is, is just so, so crucial. Um, yeah. Question and, for both of you while yeah. we're, we're on this topic. What do you think the, the, um, the quote from Quinlan on the wall means or what, 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 how might that, you know, apply to the series or like what, what kind of, what did you interpret that? Yeah. Uh, I, I, so right. Yeah. So the quote of course is, um, only when your eyes are closed can you truly see the way. Um, right? Isn't that it? Almost possible. I yeah. actually used that clip. Yeah, I think that's perfect. Yeah, uh, I used that clip to... I didn't to, say because I thought uh, I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> but I, think <laughs> I, mean, I may have gotten some of it a little off, but the spirit's there. So to me, the way I interpret yeah. that is, is, I mean, this is... I feel like it's directly to Obi-Wan. You know, he has been shutting himself off more and more and more and more, but it's not until he really cuts out all the things that are distracting him that he's going to be able to see the way forward because all he's holding on to is every time every actually in a weird way almost every time he closes his eyes because we get a moment of him sleeping he seems to be troubled by nightmares he can't seem to let go of his regret and also in this moment tala is saying to him you know we've all made mistakes but you have to learn to let go of them and just move on 
Um, Bale tells him that in the end of the first episode, right? Like, you've made mistakes. So have I. Let them go. It's time to move on. Um, and so I think, like, for this, it's Obi-Wan just shutting out those voices of his, of his grief um, so that he can see how to move forward. That's how I kind of interpret it. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's a good way to take it because um it is Obi-Wan has has been head down but looking around the whole time. Like he's he's watching for anything and everything to go wrong. Uh and he needs to stop and close his eyes and put that faith in the force again, I think is, is really uh, what I, I think this is trying to impart or one of the things that he can take from this. Uh, and one of the lovely things about the quote like this is that there's many ways to interpret it. So both, you know, all of us can say different things and be right at the same time. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, the way I took it is it's, you know, he needs to, to stop, slow down and, put that faith in the force again and uh, actually, you know, open himself back up and, and let that flow through him uh, because he's not doing any of that right now. Yeah. So what about you? Would you, how did you take it? I mean, I partly asked this question because I, I was hoping for guidance from the two of you and I got it. It was great. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I agree. I love the idea that it's, 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 you know, only when you close your eyes can you look inward and sort of confront your own demons. And I think we're seeing that very literally and visually with each episode where he's trying to, you know, either with he's sleeping or if he's trying to meditate um, or, you know, st- not, I don't mean to skip ahead, but when he's in the back to tank, right, his eyes are also closed. Yeah. And it's when, it, when he, that's, that's the moment, those are the moments when he's kind of forced to confront his memories and his past and kind of his feelings Um uh, because there's nothing else to distract him. So I, and 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 the, I love it's really lovely to kind of connect that back to feeling the force and connecting to the force. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, I think we can all share one more thing uh, from the episode. Uh, um, uh, and I will be surprised if it's not on all of our lists because it's kind of the big climax of the episode, which is. That that whole Vader confrontation, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I think everybody's in agreement on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that I one. And what you made me. That's yeah. Yeah. That down. yeah. Yeah. And <sighs> first of all, uh, getting more of the horror of Vader as he stalks down the the street of the village. This is a tiny village. There's these are people that have no concept of of the higher ups of the empire. They don't care. And yet here he is just storming down and just, you know, carnage in his wake just to lure Obi-Wan out. Um, it's, it's horrifying and terrible. And, uh, that's, that's quite a way to, to start this whole thing off. Um, and so I'll kind of just start off the discussion there to say yeah. that that introduction, yeah. that first, you know, here's Vader, everybody. You've been kind of getting glimpses of him throughout, you know, so far, but he's here in the flesh or yeah. cybernetics. Um, 
and uh, it's terrible. Uh, so it's terrifying. It, it and, really is. Uh, I, I had the just the audio. I was playing the episode earlier today just to kind of like while I was doing other stuff around my house, just to sort of, you know, refresh my memory of, of, of all the scenes. And when it got to that part, it was I think I didn't realize this at the time. It's silence, heavy breathing from Vader and screaming. Hmm. Like that's it. Like yeah. that for for several minutes. Yeah. And that's and I, you know, um in my review of the episode on my blog, the uh I talk a little bit about how they could have played the Imperial March there. Yeah. Like that's kind of the obvious thing to do, right? But I love that it's it's so much more terrifying that it's just we're forced to just just sit with it, right? There's no pomp and circumstance at all. It's just the pure terror of him. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I the thing that actually grabs me most about his entrance is actually the way it affects Obi Wan. Um, mm. You know, it's it's it, it, it made it made me think really quickly about uh, how Kanan and Ezra feel when Vader approaches in Rebels the first time they encounter him, and they talk about how cold they feel. Um, there's just something. I mean, Obi Wan becomes visibly and physically unsteady even more unsteady than he's ever been um and the way they even choose to shoot that you know with this very unsteady cam um you know it's it's just like obi-wan knows like reva told him at the end of the first episode that anakin's alive um and and now we and he knows it i mean clearly he's he's haunted by it um is the at the start of the episode, but now he feels him coming, and he right like I. It's it's also incredible to think that the episode starts with him talking about what it feels like to feel the force, and now he's feeling a part of the force that almost knocks him off his feet, and takes his breath away. There's such an element of terror to it, and the terror is probably most pronounced because of the fact that this was somebody that he once called a brother. Um, that's coming coming down the street and his very very much not that person at all anymore um which yeah i mean i I, before the show even started i've always thought about how this show would be a great opportunity to flesh out the quote from obi-wan in return of the jedi when he says to luke he's more machine now than man twisted and evil he that's he that wasn't really his experience of anakin at the end of episode three um, so something had to convince him of that. So, and clearly this, this show is doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I also really, you and McGregor really, I mean, his performance throughout the whole series so far has been incredible. Uh, in that moment though, it really does look like a physical involuntary reaction that he's having, right. Where he just yeah. like, some like someone punched him in the gut and he's just like about to fall over. Um, he can't catch his breath. It's like he's having a panic attack, uh, and it's mm-hmm. and and to think that that is that Vader is the one that's doing that to him uh, is is very significant. Yeah, yeah, and like to me, Vader has become so much like Maul in the sense that, like, when when it comes at least in relationship to Obi Wan, you know, all he wants out of this is revenge. All he wants out of this mm-hmm. is to make Obi Wan suffer. Um, that's it. That's all he wants out of this. And it, clearly he's been looking for him for a long time. I mean, he knows Obi-Wan survived order 66. Um, he's been looking for him and why has he been looking for him? Just so he can cause him pain. I mean, it's the same thing that kept Maul alive for the 10 years he was down in that random pit or whatever. Right. 
Um, yeah. So it's it's just interesting to me how Vader has kind of just become just just such a creature, um, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's not a man yeah. walking down that street. That is not a man hunting. It's Obi-Wan. a monster. It's a monster. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've heard on a lot of other podcasts too the sort of comparison between his appearance here and Rogue One, mm. and how while there's a lot of spectacle to his appearance, so sorry spoilers for Rogue One, I guess. Uh, though I feel like I should have to say um, yeah, on this okay. podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, uh, I'm very yeah, I'm very paranoid about about accidentally spoiling something. Uh, but on this is a safe space. I think if you're listening yeah. to this, you, yeah, you know you've how seen Rogue, Rogue One, one. Is. it's five um, years right, old. right. It's been <laughs> it's been out for se- several years. Yeah, People yeah. should yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, that 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 there's a lot of spectacle, and it's like, oh wow, he's just like you know, he's just he's just knocking troopers down left and right. It's incredible. Like he's just like sh- showing his sheer prowess. Um, but that that this is so much more scarier because mm. it's it's civilians and innocent people and not stormtroopers that he's or not sorry not stormtroopers the the rebel um troopers, yeah trooper yeah uh the you know the 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 soldiers i guess i should say soldiers versus civilians uh in the two scenes and 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 how actually there's just much more of a horror bent in this version of him where he's like you know snapping necks um mm-hmm. And just like randomly force choking people who haven't even done anything really, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's um, a lot of people I think responded to this more strongly because they were like, you know, that uh, we love the Rogue One appearance of him. It's it's really cool and, and and impressive, but this is just really terrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carl, do you think that the the desire to make Obi Wan suffer as he did? is the reason Vader let Obi-Wan be rescued. Oh man. Um, why'd you have to, ask, you should ask Jen this question. Cause I don't want to answer it. <laughs> um, uh, so okay. I'm going to make Jen, do you no, want to answer can, this? I can vamp while you're thinking I, about it. Um, I mean, yeah, well, I think, I mean, there's a couple of different possibilities, right? I think the, the, the most, you know, having listened to read a lot and listened to a lot about just the show in general, I think a lot of in people's interpretation of this, um, uh, is that he he let he Obi Wan would never based on what we see in the duel Obi Wan would never have gotten away unless Vader wanted it that way. Right. Um, that's kind of the way to make it make sense. Uh, and so I think the in terms of the the explanation for why he lets him go, you know, the playing with his food is kind of the most common phrase that I hear a lot. Where it's like he's just like oh like this the and he says it in the scene right he's like your your torture is just beginning or whatever you know um, mm-hmm. like he kind of implies that this is just this is just us getting warmed up. Right. right, throwing like pulling you across the fire is just is just the the first course um, right. uh, of the suffering that he has planned for him. So, so I think part of it's that um, you know, part of me though, knowing all the history that they have together, and you know, being the optimist who wants to think that you know, listen to to Padme that they're still good in him, right? Part of me wants to think maybe that's hesitation, mm. right? Maybe he's like, Ugh, like I have all this rage and I, I want revenge and I want I'm so angry and hateful but when it comes down to it when i'm seeing him burning up in the fire maybe i maybe part of him pulls back a little bit yeah. and he's just PTSD like i don't know what to do with moment. this yeah yeah ptsd moment, um, maybe where he's, well, he's like slightly conflicted i think that's the less likely explanation of it but that's the one i i hope is yeah. is happening i, I you that's know it's, 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 it's yeah i've got nothing to add to the answer of that question jason but uh we'll well, <laughs> here, yeah. here 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 uh to to 
keep you from having to come up with an answer. Hayden Christensen did say something about this. I got, I got sent this quote yesterday um, by a friend uh, and he said, well, I think it came, I think that came as a shock to Vader to see how disconnected from the force Obi-Wan is at this point. I think Vader wants Obi-Wan to be able to put up more of a fight. I don't want to say too much about what's to come. Yeah. So like another fight. Yeah. 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 One that one that there's more there's yeah. more to this. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no I mean I I mean I saw a lot of, you know, what we love to just call fan bros cuz I and when I say I saw a lot, I didn't see a lot, but you see enough and you've seen it all with these these knuckleheads, but they're like this makes no sense. Why was he able to get away so easily? It's like you clearly just don't want to think about this, right? Like <laughs> it's clearly because Vader's just toying with him, right? Like there's a purpose yeah. to it. It could be he wants to follow where he goes next, right? Because he might think Obi-Wan's with other Jedi. It's pretty straightforward. He's letting him go. Um, and yeah. when he lets him go, I will say of, of all the iconic visuals we've had of Darth Vader for 40 years, um, I mean, from his, his silhouette in the carbon freezing chamber to his entrance on the Tanif 4, I got to say this just this shot of him just standing there with the flames reflecting in his goggles might be to me my favorite shot of Darth Vader ever. Like yeah. it's just so Beautiful. powerful. And what a I mean it's what is reflecting out of his own visuals is the very thing that destroyed who he was. You know, it's right. just it's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I mean when I first watched the episode and saw like Vader at the beginning, I'm like, Oh cool. Like he's going to get more involved now. But then when we see him show up at the end, I'm like, Oh my God, are, they're, they're going to fight in episode three. No, no way. They're not going to fight this episode. And then it's like, Holy, Holy Gungan, they are going to fight. <laughs> um, and they do. And it's, it went as you would have expected with where Obi-Wan is. He gets completely owned. Um, and yeah, there's something about the scene where he's holding Obi-Wan with the force and Obi-Wan is just utterly helpless. It is it's, yeah. to me, it's very heartbreaking. And, and the way Ewan plays it, the way he just shouts in agony as he's being dragged across the fire. Um, I tear up every time because it's just like he, this is so painful in so many ways. And it's his former best friend doing this to him. Um, it's yeah. just so heartbreaking and yeah. And um, I really love what you said, Jen, whether or not it's true about maybe he does have this moment of pause of like, what am I doing? Maybe there is some good there, right? Um, who knows if that could be true or not, but the fact that it could be, I, I just, I love that thought. I think it's brilliant. Um, so there could be a number of things happening behind that mask. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, that's the beauty of, of being able to put a complex character like Anakin inside Vader inside this mask yeah, is that you can read so many things into that performance and that's possible, but just the sadistic revenge side of the Sith is also possible too. Mm -hmm. So, and he's not he, he has no reason to tell any of us what's going on in his head so right, right. uh <laughs> well and, that's, and i feel like that's to me cuz like i want to i i really want that to happen in either in episode 5 or 6 cuz i really would love to see some mode of introspection for vader you know like he's not anakin he's not going to be anakin but i don't know how you do that because who's his confidant he's not going to tell the emperor 
Um, so you know, it's it's it to me, it's like it can really only happen with Obi Wan, um, right? Because uh, like because you can't you can't show inner monologue, right? Like you can't. I mean, you could do some sort of voiceover, but I just I don't see them doing that. Um, but I do. I just really want to see how he is processing that. And in that vein, the one thing I will say that has delighted me most about the series um, in a way that I didn't expect is how much I'm, I'm starting to be able to see Hayden as Darth Vader, even in the original trilogy, just those little shots of him in this back to tank that, I mean, the way the episode opens with him being, you know, entombed again in Darth Vader, like getting to see Hayden's face. It's like, Oh my God, like, no, no, wait, Hayden Christensen is Darth Vader like so I don't know I, just, I feel it's just really helping me connect the prequel story of Anakin to the Anakin that is Darth Vader in the originals and I just I didn't expect it to do this so well um, so I, I'm really liking that I'm curious if you two feel that way as well definitely yeah I I think it's it's been fantastic uh, to to get that and to to, to see that because it is a it is a bridge. This is the perfect halfway point between, you know, the the creation of Darth Vader and the start of the original trilogy uh, and the the villain that we see there. Um, so getting to see that not only is Obi-Wan on this journey from being Jedi Master to crazy old wizard, um, but Vader is on this journey from being a broken version of Anakin Skywalker to being the emperor's enforcer uh, and we're, we're seeing both of them through this series on that journey. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, about, I definitely agree. Yeah. And I think it speaks to the larger philosophy of star Wars right now where, you know, it, it, you know, I, I love JJ Abrams, you know, he, he's an amazing director, but I do feel like the, his press tour for force awakens was very much like, we know you got mad at what we were doing before, so now we're gonna only we're gonna go back to the way the original trilogy was made. Mm. We're gonna do practical effects and sort of disavowing the the prequel trilogy and or just like you know other any any Star Wars that was not popular, you know perceived mm. as popular. So I think, but now I think with you know the Dave Filoni philosophy and the Kathleen Kennedy philosophy to a certain extent is you know, no, all of it is is a part of the story, right? Like, we're embracing all of it. We're connecting all of it together. We're not going to ignore any of it. It's all part of one big story, regardless of how different people feel about different parts of it, right? Um, and I think I, I think that really works. I think that that's, that's how we get Hayden Christensen back in, in Darth Vader's suit and, like, embodying that character um, in a way that, that many fans never dreamed of. Right. Yeah. It is. I will say it is interesting because I can see Hayden walking in Vader yeah. right mm-hmm. now. It's not quite like Anakin and it's not quite like Darth Vader, like David Prowse, Darth Vader, but it's somewhere in the middle. And that's, I feel like that's a, a detail that's been really cool to kind of catch sometimes. Like it's just a glimpse here and there, but like I see it and it's like, oh yeah, it, it there is it does translate. So, well, and it's, uh, it, yeah. And that shows in the fact that they hired a movement coach for him, mm-hmm. which is just so yeah. cool. Like this woman that studies, studied Darth Vader, da- studied Dave Proust, Darth Vader and interpreted how would 10 years prior, how would that look? And she 
trained with Hayden on that, which I just think is brilliant. I can't remember her name, which I feel bad. But um, but there's also two stunt doubles in that costume, which I, I'm not going to lie. That really bummed me out when I saw that. I was like, what the hell? Why does he have to have any stunt doubles? Um, like, I just wanted it to be nothing but Hayden. But my guess is those are probably the ones that are doing a lot of the fighting, um, which is fine. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's because he is precious. He is precious, yeah. And hopefully, we must protect him. And hopefully they're saving him for future projects because I would love to see more of him. But to your point, Jen, and I love that you brought that up, is, is it, it in a similar way to Bad Batch, like the thing I loved, one of the main things I loved about Bad Batch was its embrace of Attack of the Clones specifically. Um, and in this series is also doing that. I mean, it is embracing the entirety of the prequel trilogy um, because as, as Ewan has said so many times on these press tours, like he didn't hear these voices when he was making the movies. Um, so I love that we're getting more of that. And yeah. And, and to your point, like I was so I, I've always liked J.J. Abrams and I still do. But I was so pissed at him during the tours for Force Awakens because it's like, shut up. The prequels are awesome. And let's be real. The prequels are better than Force Awakens by a friggin' mile, in my opinion. So I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that, but that's fine. You you have a right to be wrong. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I'm anyway, going yeah. anywhere near that take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, at least at least at least they had original thoughts in the prequel trilogy. Um, so we'll at least at least say that. I love you, JJ, but make an original story with Force Awakens, and then you can talk like that. <laughs> so anyway, um, but let's go into part four. Uh, part four was an episode that uh, I think just what what really struck me with it was um, it felt like a Clone Wars episode in live action, which I thought was mm. really fun. Yeah. Like this was, and this whole episode was about Obi-Wan being able to be General Kenobi in a way. Um, so let's, let's go back around. Jason, first thing that stood out to you from part four. Oh, man. Uh, I'm... I'm going to jump right into the, the meat of this, uh, you know, during, during Obi-Wan's uh, infiltration of Fortress Inquisitorius, which, by the way, the most pompous Star Wars name for a <laughs> fortress ever, and I okay. love it. Um, but uh, he finds what it is they're hiding down there under the water, and it is essentially... All of the Jedi and Force users that have disappeared in amber, ready to be, you know, cloned and brought back into dinosaurs, I guess. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, no, it, <laughs> having all the Jedi and, and Force users there and getting a really nice long look at Terra Sanube in live action in amber was fascinating heartbreaking and yet really cool at the same time um and of course you know we we see all sorts of people uh jedi not non-jedi a youngling which i think was the kid who said master skywalker what are we going to do in revenge of the sith at least it looked like him so uh yeah that was just a moment that carl you mentioned you know doing this with your with your VHS tapes, but this is a moment when I was rewatching the episode today where I paused and I looked at everybody that they had in there to see if I could like discern who these people were and stuff like that. There's a person in there that has this weird like block hat um, that I think looks like someone from what one of the old 
uh, Dark Force Rising comics, like some sort of old Force user uh, that I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look, but it looked like I could have seen them in that weird purple and green um, <laughs> style <laughs> from way back when. So, uh, but yeah, I feel like there's a bunch of Easter eggs in there that I haven't had the time to catch yet. And I, I really want to do that. But yeah, that was one of those big things that was just a really cool cool moment for me. It, it's not like a big, huge part of the, the plot or the story of this episode. But that was something that stood out to me that I really liked. Because, you know, obviously I'm a Jedi guy and getting to see that kind of lore is fantastic to me. So, Yeah, and... Um... It does feel like these are all victims of the Inquisitors, the fact that they're in the Inquisitors. I'm I'm going to go with the name that Greg made up in uh, one of his Rebel Base Card episodes where he called it the Inquisitor Clubhouse. I think that's way more fun than whatever the hell it's actually called, the Inquisitorious whatever. What is it? Fortress Inquisitorious. Yeah, screw that. I like the Inquisitor Clubhouse way more. Um, so much more fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, it feels like these are their trophies. And Vader also doesn't come across to me as someone who wants trophies. Like he's not Grievous who's taking lightsaber hilts. He's, you know, he's not um, he's not the Inquisitors throwing their stuff into amber so they can clone them later into dinosaurs. Um, you know, it's it, it. Yeah. So it's it's. It's just like it's like oh, and I hate saying this, but I'm with you, Jason, because like I also love Terrence Sanube. I mean, he's that the episode lightsaber loss is one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes. Um, I hate, you have to I hate slow down, otherwise you're not going to find what you're looking for. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, and I hate I saying my this. wish list for being on this podcast. Yeah. I'm like, are they going to do a voice bit, please? Yeah. I mean, I can't. So yeah, <laughs> Jason's always happy to oblige. <laughs> Um, but like as much as I would hate to see this, I would also like to see is like, I'd love to see the story of Tara Sanube meeting an inquisitor or something like that. Like I just, again, like I hate saying that, like, it's not like I want to see him die, but I would love to just see like, how did Tara Sanube go out? You know, what was that like? Mm -hmm. Um, I could see him trying to talk them down or something too, like that would be totally Tara Sanube. I doubt he resisted physically. Um, that's not his character, I feel like, but anyway, yeah, it's so cool. Like getting to see that and um, but Jason, you bringing that up, I don't I, it, whether or not this is a point you'll bring up, Jen. Um, but I, my question for you, because you've been so um, observant of this, but like just how important everything is to Obi-Wan's journey. How do you think that strikes him, though, when he's down there? He sees these remains. I mean, particularly Tara Sanube, who he knew. The last one he sees is a Jedi youngling. Um, mm-hmm. You know, how is that affecting Obi-Wan, especially in the midst of this General Kenobi mission? Well, here, that was questions the thing, for because, Jen, Jason. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Totally fine. Go ahead, Jen. Go ahead, Jen. Aww, I, no, will, I feel bad. I will comment Jason, later. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I appreciate the courtesy. Um, well, the yeah, I think. Well, first of all, I remember when I first watched it, just being so impressed that he still managed to carry on with the mission. Because it, you know, it really seemed like it was something that was absolutely devastating for him to discover. And he, you know, he's, he's literally seeing the faces of, of friends and, and, you know, fellow, fellow Jedi that, that he knew. And that, and so I'm I'm sure it, you know, Ewan McGregor's performance indicated that there was a lot of survivor's guilt that kind of kicked in in those moments, right? He's like kind of stumbling around and like really, you can tell it's hard for him to focus. 
right? Yeah. Um, but he does it because Leia's in trouble and needs him. Um, and so I think that, you know, I, yeah, it, I, the, the scene really bummed me out. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it was so sad. Yeah. Um, uh, and especially the, yeah, they're going for the juggler with the, with a youngling, right? Like it's, mm. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, and that, and that, that, that's, I think if I remember correctly, that's the last one he sees, right. That before we yeah. kind of continue on. Um, and so I think, you know, that's, that's, that's just the, like his, you know, if he's struggling to cope with his failure, right. Or what he perceives as his own failure, right. That's, that's it. Right. Like he's like, oh, this is what we lost when we, when we failed. This is kind of like what I had a hand in. And so I think for, for his journey, right. I think it is the confrontation that he needed, um, and that he needed to kind of push past to be like, well, but, but, you know, they didn't die in vain, right? Like they're not down here for no reason. I have to, I have to save Leia. I have to move on. I have to keep going. Um, so that's kind of how I interpreted it. Yeah. What about you, Jason? Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> no, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, I just, the, my brain started going a mile a minute and I just started talking. Um, but yeah, no, the, this is finally putting faces to the tragedy for Obi-Wan because uh, up to this point, he probably thinks most of the Jedi that died, died at the hands of the, their clones, you know, mm. order 66 happening, yeah. but there's so many here, yeah. the, you know, the, the Jedi, the force sensitives that are here that were hunted that, uh, you know, he just disappeared, uh, you know, into the backwater of Tatooine, they disappeared from the galaxy and nobody has been able to find them until he stumbled upon them right here, right now. And it, it's really sort of a wake up call for Obi-Wan to tell him, Hey, something has to be done. And, you know, you can't ignore the rest of the galaxy anymore. I think is kind of the way this is going. Obviously his mission will still take priority. His mission to safeguard and hopefully eventually train Luke Skywalker on Tatooine is his priority, is his mission. But that doesn't mean he has to completely turn a blind eye to everything and everyone else that's out there. Um, and I think that's sort of this wake up call and this revelation to him in this point is that there's more, and it's bad and you know perhaps you should do something about it yeah so yeah and what about you jen what is something from part four that struck you uh all right so many good things to choose from um i think for me the biggest emotional beat was at the very end um with with leia taking obi-wan's hand Mm. um i just think that the the acting in that moment is incredible on both of their parts. Uh, the, especially you McGregor, like the way that his face sort of goes from like, huh, what's going on? Can we, Oh, Oh, what's what, like, what are you doing? And then realizing that she's taking his hand and then the, the, the genuine connection that they feel um, with each other in that moment. Uh, and that she looks at him like, you know, you, you saved me. Like I feel safe with you. Right. And that, that, that makes him feel proud, but then also sad because he's, you know, every time he looks at her, he thinks about, Padme, right? Um, and so I think there's just like a roller coaster of emotions that we see in that really, really small moment um, between the two of them uh, that I really loved, and and it was big payoff, right? Because they've been working towards that moment all along 
ever since the two of them met. Um, yeah. Well, and then, you know, since you brought that up, Jen, that, that was going to be the last one I brought up, but you brought it up that, that the little handholding is definitely my favorite part of the episode. Um, it's just so tender and sweet. And, um, you know, I think by the end of this episode, Obi-Wan has kind of found himself again in a whole new way. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about this, but the fact that he's, you know, cutting down stormtroopers and like, this is general Kenobi on a, on a rescue mission. And, but I think more than anything, what's driving him and we're reminded in this moment is the warmth of little Leia and the affection he feels for her and where she comes from. Um, and you know, it just kind of, it just kind of struck me as I was listening, just as the two of you were talking, um, you know, just kind of can moving forward now, 10 years into the events of a new hope. Obi-Wan's been waiting all this time to train Luke and Luke says no to the initial invitation, right? Like, come with me to Alderaan. No, I got to stay here. Fine. But then the very next scene they see them together, Luke is taking him to Tashi Station so he can get a transport to go help Leia on Alderaan. So Obi-Wan was going to leave Luke. I just think that's worth noting. Like, he was going to do it if it weren't for the the Lars homestead getting destroyed. Obi-Wan was on his way without Luke to help Leia once again. Um, just think that's worth noting. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just that little moment of her putting her hand on him and him holding it back and just giving her. And then, and I love when he takes her hand again, this is the brilliance of this very, very incredible young actor. Um, how she also then, once he takes her hand, she leans back into the seat and just seems to finally be at comfort, right? Like, she's been obviously rigid the entire episode. Like, just watch her body. I mean, she's almost tortured. She's being mind-probed. I mean, everything horrible is happening to this child. She is, of course, stiffened and scared and frightened. But once Obi-Wan takes her hand, too, she kind of melts into the seat. Like, she's melting into, like, the comfort of a parent or something. I just love that the, the subtlety of that little moment where she finally feels safe now um so yeah also well, except that she's not except she's not yeah because reva sucks and is tracking them um, yeah there is that yeah you know as soon as she said she was tracking them i was like <gasps> yeah no not, i wish not Le- lola not lola Le- 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 leia should have said not this lola sister <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh man Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, go ahead. One of the other things I wanted to bring up is about Leia um, and just her her whole interrogation interaction with Reba. Um, It's it's remarkable how she's able to to stand up and uh, under this type of scrutiny. And obviously, Reba has to be careful here because it is a senate an imperial senator's daughter and it it takes up until the very end when she's about to, ready to actually torture the girl before she's like all right fine we're done playing we're we're done playing with kit gloves we're done taking things easy uh and, and she's actually going to go in full bore but still leia is able to hold her own and to try and outmaneuver riva uh, a couple of times and I think the interaction between uh, Moses Ingram and um, the little girl, and I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, Vivian Lyra Blair. Yeah. Thank you, Vivian, uh, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, the, the 
the chemistry there is perfectly antagonistic on camera. Uh, and it really is almost like a one-upmanship <laughs> in, in a way. Uh, and I think it worked really well. Um, so I think just because we actually get a scene where a young girl uh, is able to stand up against a, an intense interrogation on screen and the fact that it, it uh, you know, came across as believable in my opinion uh, and it worked. So I, that was a moment I wanted to make sure to mention because I thought it was, it was very well done. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, totally agree. And I think my favorite part about Moses Ingram's performance in those scenes is kind of that, that, that she's kind of torn between getting angry at her and frustrated and then also being kind of like impressed uh, right. and sort of mutual. They have this, like she has this kind of respect for Leia in a lot of ways where she's like, you're strong. Like, whoa. Okay. Like, yeah. uh, and she's sort of, yeah. And then, and I love the sort of psychological cat and mouse game that they're playing through those scenes, especially when you realize that Leia's and when, and when Reva realizes too, that, that Leia's tears earlier were fake. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Where yes. she's like, let's yeah. see if those tears are real, princess, right? Aaron, you're like, this yeah. is genius. Cause then she just, once she realizes this is the, the jig is up, she, her face totally changes. She's like, I'll never tell you. Like, she just gets really angry. Yeah. <laughs> right. She, she doesn't have to act scared anymore. Um, that's not to say she isn't actually scared in that scene at all. But I, but I, but I like the right. idea that, that, um, it kind of becomes clear that she's, she's putting, she's pretending to acquiesce mm-hmm. in hopes of yeah. tricking Reva. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just yeah. have to tell my father first. That's okay, right? We're mm. all on the same side. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Nice try, princess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, and I love how Reva very quickly knows that that's, it's game over at that point, right? She's like, oh, forget it. Like, this is Yeah. Work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On to the torture. <laughs> right. I shouldn't it's laugh like- at that, but <laughs> what a way to express it. <laughs> but she really does. She's like, yeah. all right, fine. Like, nice yeah. try. Like, okay. But, like, well, this is not going we're, anywhere. Yep. We're done. We're done with this. Yep. So, um, yeah, the one, the one big thing I, and I'm sure you two might have something to say about this too, but right. It is, it is, I I saw somebody tweet this and I just feel like this is the perfect way to put it, but you're right. The, the, the gift that's super popular now is just, you know, Obi-Wan twirling his lightsaber after cutting down a stormtrooper and somebody put Obi-Wan gets his mojo back. And it's like, yep, that's, that's what this episode is. Um, is this is him yeah. learning that confidence in himself again and, and confidence mm-hmm. in the force. And what's so neat to me is um, the fact that I, you know, I think you mentioned it, Jen, is earlier, like we see him kind of struggling to use the force, like trying to pull something across the, the ship to him, right? When they're, when they're on their way to the Inquisitor clubhouse. Um, and <laughs> he can't even really do that. And then in this moment, he's deflecting blaster bolts. He holds that water at bay in the cracked window I almost feel like he slips right back into it because it is so natural for him, but it's probably because he's been overthinking everything, right? We get in our own way all the time. Obi-Wan's been getting in his own way, but here in this moment, he's being driven by a very simple purpose of rescue Leia and protect Leia. So in order to do that, he just slips back into the mode of Jedi Knight Obi-Wan Kenobi and is able to use the force like he always has been right. Like it's a little sloppy at first, but I mean, within moments it's 
back to like there's there's one little like spin movie does with his lightsaber where he deflects it backwards and takes out a stormtrooper remind me of that like very opening of phantom menace when he does a similar move like that to a battle droid he twirls his lightsaber and takes out one behind him like i was like oh this is mm-hmm. this is obi-wan kenobi again and something i just love is i noticed in that what's now very famous shot especially thanks to the gif world um, of where he cuts down that one stormtrooper and twirls his lightsaber. He kind of brings it up into the ready stance. If you watch that moment, though, he never actually fully completes the stance. As soon as he's about to take the lightsaber in two hands, he immediately drops down, drops the blade back down. It's almost like ah, he's he's basically there, but he's not there. Like I just I don't know if that's intentional or yeah. not, but I just love that it's like he doesn't fully bring it all the way up. Because it's like he still has a little bit left to go, right? Um, so I just I love kind of even the brilliance of that, the physical movement in that scene. But this is yeah, this is Obi Wan learning to be very confident once again. And because um, like I, you know, this is the joy of having a podcast. You get to talk about yourself sometimes. Um, and uh, the reason this is this I loved this moment because I won't lie and I and it, my biggest my biggest uh, hurdle still in this show is I don't love where Obi-Wan started in the series like I, I I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around this very broken version of Obi-Wan Kenobi and I'm not saying that it's it's wrong it's bad I'm just saying it's it's a little I'm still like I don't know if I love it we started here it feels like last Jedi Luke again I don't I have some of my quibbles with that but that aside, I love this moment so much because it's like, no, this is a really important story to tell that our heroes sometimes need to go on journeys to remember how to be a hero again. Um, and as I stand on the, the brink of starting a, a whole new job in a month and uh, in, in a field of work that I've always loved doing but haven't done in almost two years because I lost that job in the pandemic – uh, I'm really anxious about starting this work again, and I hope that I can do it. And when I watch that scene, I'm like, I can do it. If Obi-Wan can do it, I can do it. So it's like, okay, now I understand why they're telling this story. And it's like, that's where it clicked for me. It was like, all right, I wasn't necessarily on board, but now I see why the story is important to tell. Um, so, sorry, that was totally like sidetrack, but that's that was my biggest part of the episode I wanted to talk about. So I'll shut up now for a little bit. <laughs> no, it- it is great because we, we do see Obi-Wan, you know, get his confidence back and, and slip back into being a Jedi again. And it all starts because Tala has to take a break from the monitor to deal with an issue. You know, she she can't be his guide anymore. Mm. And he has to take care of, you know, avoiding those stormtroopers on his own. And he does the Obi-Wan trick from A New Hope where he, you know, makes a noise in the other direction. The troopers have to go run and, and find out what that is. And that sort of starts it all. Yeah. And it ends up, you know, getting us to the point where he's there holding back the water, uh, you know, as the troopers are coming in. And he's, you know, Tala and Leia are getting to safety, which apparently... Um, is is a scene that's right out of uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the video game. Um, mm. Got friends who who love that game and have been seeing a lot of parallels in Part Four to that game. Um, so uh, that was you know uh, something. So it, it all kind of culminates there, and now we have to see. All right, where does it go from here when we get to Part Five? And just you know, 
less than 24 hours from the time we're recording. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, that's a, that is a really big moment. And I think something I wanted to make sure to bring up too. So I'm glad you yeah. brought it up, Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obi-Wan really doesn't get this done without Tala. Right. Um, no. Yeah. She's yeah. incredible in this, in this episode. And, and uh, you know, the, the way that she's able to kind of bluff her way through, right? <laughs> One of my favorite moments of this episode. It's so you... yeah, it's so good. You will call me sir, uh, <laughs> which is which. Um, uh, ben, ben uh, director Benick on um, who was a, a, a fellow guest on the Rebel Base Card uh, podcast episode I just did. Um, he pointed out that he's like, I guess everyone in the Empire is sir. Something mm. I never thought about. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I love, I just love that. And, and the way that she plays, plays it so confidently when she needs to, but then you see her kind of like, huh, like, like actually like really concerned and worried when she's not on, right. When she's mm-hmm. not having to, and just yeah. the way, yeah. And the way that she, uh, again, earns the kind of earns the respect of, of Riva. Riva's like, you might be lying to me, but you're really good at lying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like that. You're like, yeah. You're either lying to me or for me. I'm not sure which, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah no, the Tala which makes great. her. I just in general are really Riva a really fun villain, and then yeah, Tala a really fun hero because she's able to play the double agent so perfectly. Um, but yeah, just yeah, can't say enough of about her um, for both this episode and the whole series so far. I hope I hope we get to see her again. I hope I'm crossing my fingers. That she survives the series. I thought so I'm not. She, yeah, I'm not I super used, confident about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, she's a she's such a an incredible character. Uh, um, yeah. Well, so how about uh, not not to rush folks, but one one more thing from part four that that stood out to you, uh, Jason. Go ahead. Um. Well, I. We kind of just what mentioned it, and that's that's Tala's uh, infiltration of of the Fortress Inquisitorius. Um, I, I thought that was a fantastic uh, scene uh, as she gets through security and dresses down the security officer uh, and all that, and then the way she stands up to to Reba is fantastic. And I think um, having, I think Reba became a much more interesting character in this episode than she's been. Uh, the whole rest of the series because um, the first couple episodes she was just like one note rage like fear not not even rage just fury she's a, a blazing you know wildfire of fury just consuming everything uh, and this time we actually got to see you know why she is capable as an inquisitor um, and I think she became a bit more interesting here so getting to pit her against Tala uh, was really, uh, really cool to see. And, and it makes sense. Tala has this double agent thing, you know, that she can use while she is really working, you know, for the Jedi helpers in the path, you know, she can use that as like, Oh yeah, of course I was a spy. Uh, And, and flip it uh, for, for her story here. So uh, yeah, I I think Tala's uh, infiltration of, of this was was really cool and something I, I quite enjoyed. So, 
Plus, we got to see Obi-Wan, you know, swimming underwater with the rebreather again. So um, that was that was fun. <laughs> every, every time I watch that scene, I'm just like, oh, today hasn't been our day for warm welcomes. So <laughs> all I think about every time I watch that scene. <laughs> Perfect. We're going underwater, okay? Day. I'm not warning you. They said, no, I like an outsider, so don't expect a warm welcome. <laughs> yeah, not here in the Inquisitor Clubhouse. No. Nope. Um, so, well, how about you, Jen? Uh, okay, only because I've I've been thinking a lot about it, and I think in thinking for for what thinking considering what we might talk about today, and and having the opportunity to think about episode or you know part three and four kind of as a pair, um, I wanted to to talk about the opening scene of the episode. Uh, in the back to tank and where we're mm. cutting between Vader and Obi-Wan. And, uh, and, you know, initially I didn't really know what to make of, of that, that scene in terms of like what we were actually watching and what we were supposed to do, you know, supposed to connect between the two. Um, but actually in going back and rewatching this, the start of episode three, there really is a, there, the, those scenes in terms of their editing and how they're shot are actually mirror images of each other because there's, mm. The, the audio that we hear is the same style of like little audio clips of different things that people have said either in the series so far or, you know, from the prequels or like, you know, just things, things people have said in Obi-Wan's life that he's kind of reflecting on. Um, and it's both, they're both scenes where Obi-Wan is trying to find stillness and healing, right? So to go back to our earlier conversation about the eyes closed, um, that I think it's that's that's how he's able. That's what triggers this intercutting between intercutting between him and Vader. Um, and I, I, you know, what that made me realize is that a this is like a really brilliant technique because it's a way of furthering the story of Anakin slash Vader and Obi Wan in the series without having to put them in the same space physically, right? Because it's because it's like yes, like Obi Wan has never seen Anakin. Or, or Vader in the back to tank, right? So it's like, you know, so it's either a force connection between the two of them, which would be cool. And there's a little hint of that. So there's a possibility that's what's happening, that they're sensing each other in these moments. Um, or it could be sort of, uh, from film theory, it's it's called intellectual montage, where it's like you're you're cutting together two things that actually don't belong together, but in just juxtaposing them, it creates an, an an idea that you wouldn't otherwise be able to create. So the idea of paralleling the two of them in ways that we would never have thought of, right? To be like, oh, like in these moments, Obi Wan and and uh, Vader are actually very much alike, especially in the in the version we get in Episode Four. So that's a really long winded way of saying that I really like those opening scenes and how they're they have really complex editing and audio kind of layered. Um, yeah, I. I like those too, and I think that it's fantastic. I am of the opinion that it is a bit of a force connection, you know, in the vein of Luke Skywalker and Vader in Empire Strikes Back. Um, you know, not not something as visceral as like Ray and Ben do in The Last Jedi, but much more on the lines of sort of a, a sort of a sensing of each other, uh, like Vader and Luke do um, after their battle on Cloud City. So, yeah. What, what did, uh, yeah, I think for me. Oh, sorry. No, no, go, go ahead. <laughs> I just I have too many thoughts about this. They're just kind of bubbling over. Uh, yeah, and then like, 
again, if we're contextualizing this in Obi-Wan's journey, which I think I didn't really catch until I rewatched the opening of episode three, uh, it's that this is his psychological state, right? That Mm -hmm. we're kind of getting a a glimpse into, right? Because these are things that he's thinking about, things he's feeling. uh, And so I think that's kind of the anchor of it. It's like he's, even if he's not actually sensing Vader in the Force, like we're seeing him thinking about like it's it's telling the story of the two of them um together that was repeating a little bit what i said earlier so sorry <laughs> no no that's, but that's fine i i love that that's 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 so great yeah i i mean it's 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 clearly there but you just articulated it so well <laughs> um <clears throat> so that's great <laughs> yeah Thanks. um well, the, anything else you wanted to bring up, Carl? I, I just have a little moment, um, and I really, I really like at the end of the episode when Vader comes in and he's pissed as hell. Um, mm. I, I love that shot of him stomping down the hallway. To, back to the point you were making earlier, Jen, right about how horrifying this Darth Vader is. Um, and the thing that I just, I was thinking a lot as I watched watched this episode a couple more times. In that moment. The only other time we really see Vader get angry like this, at least in the original movies, is Admiral Ozzel, Captain Nita. These people that are impeding his way of getting in touch with Luke. So what it made me think of is Vader gets really pissed when he has an emotional stake in the game, right? Like the thought of Obi, like if this wasn't Obi-Wan, just some, you know, even like another powerful Jedi who would been on the council or something like Vader. Yeah. Vader's going to want them. But the fact that it's Obi-Wan Kenobi, the fact that it's Luke, his son, like as we learn in, in the original trilogy, when there's that kind of personal investment for him, he gets a lot angrier, um, you know, and I, I again, like I know I made the point earlier, but it just it further connects that this is the story of Anakin Skywalker still. Um, mm-hmm. And what it makes me think, too, is the fact that now that Obi-Wan is back, like, I mean, clearly he's been looking for him. Um, he's got his Inquisitors out there. I mean, what's the extent of his looking? We don't know. Um, but now that he's there. The fact that he feel like the fact that he has such strong reactions to me says he really wants to destroy Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan represents the one part of Anakin that could still possibly come back to life. Right. Because at this point, he doesn't know that his child like he thinks his child is dead with Padme. So there is mm-hmm. there is nothing left of Anakin Skywalker except Obi-Wan Kenobi. So if I kill him, I get to put him to bed forever. Right. Um, and mm. just, I don't know if this point of connection is just goofy talk or not, but made me honestly think a little bit of the beginning of rise of Skywalker when Kylo goes and sees the emperor and the emperor says, you got to kill Ray, kill the last Jedi, right? Um, like prove that you are what your grandfather wasn't. I wonder if the emperor at some point has said, find Obi-Wan, you have to kill him to prove that Anakin is dead, right? Like, I just, I'm just very curious if maybe that's even part of the fire behind it, too, is is, is the Emperor also privy to some of this or not? Um, but yeah, I oh, just... I it just... Definitely, Carl. Yeah. I, like, even before you brought that connection up from the Rise of Skywalker, I was thinking, this has Palpatine's uh, mental torture on Vader written all over it because Mm -hmm. as long as obi-wan kenobi is still alive anakin lives anakin is still there 
as long as Obi-Wan Kenobi is still alive, Anakin will never be defeated. You know, that sort of thing. And then, of course, we come to, uh, you know, he's killed Obi-Wan. He's killed Obi-Wan in A New Hope. And we come to Empire Strikes Back, the son of, I have no doubt, this rebel is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. You know, he's bringing it back up again. Yeah. And th- this is this is Palpatine. How he's going to just keep digging this foreign invader's side until, you know, because it's the most effective weapon against him. Um and I I 100% agree with you on that. That Palpatine has been speaking invader's ear about Obi-Wan for years. And the fact that now he has the chance to do something about it and shut Palpatine up. He's just fixated, obsessed. And yeah, that, that explains why he's so furious when he storms in on, on, on Riva there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. genuinely had not thought of that. And I love that idea. Um, yeah. Yeah. That he, that he's feeling kind of pulled in different directions yeah. in the hunt for Obi-Wan. Um, because it's part directive, part kind of his own anger. Um, mm-hmm. I think what I, you know, in, in kind of platforming from that that idea to what we would want to see out of these last two episodes, I think for me the most emotionally satisfying thing, or or narratively satisfying thing, is going to be sort of some kind of attempt not to reconcile, because we know based on you know. A new hope that that doesn't happen, right? right? Um, uh, but but the 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 attempt to kind of hash things out um, in terms of their history together as characters, right? That that for for Vader Vader to just say you like you hurt me, not just physically by cutting off all my limbs and leaving me to burn to death, but that, that you emotionally wounded me because you know you you were my brother too, right? So yeah. it's like and having them try to talk that out and you know obviously having it fail, um, right? In some way, but that's kind of what I would really want to make this this story kind of come to a satisfying close. Yeah, and I I, I think one thing I it, 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 within that emotional confrontation too, I feel like you got to say Padme. The name Padme needs to come off. I feel like Obi Wan's lips. Um, mm-hmm. And this is uh, I don't I probably shouldn't make this comparison because it's not the best, but it just makes me think of like. Obi-Wan says Padme and Darth Vader says something along the lines of keep my spouse's name out <laughs> your you can put the you can put the connections together. Unfortunately, this was a, a an incident in pop culture not too long ago. But right, I just managed to forget about this. Sorry, oh, sorry. I block intensely. Sorry. Um, I, obviously, this was written before that ridiculousness. But just right, like if Obi-Wan says her name, what is what is Darth Vader going to say? Right. And we can never forget that the first words he says as he rises from the entombed case of Vader is where is Padme? Right. So so what's it going to be like to hear her name from the person who says you will not take her from me. Right. Um, Ah, I, I, that is the moment I've been waiting for more than anything in this show. And, Mm. um, so, I mean, yeah. are we going to get that in the next 12 hours? Find out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, might, it might be another 12 I, hours and seven days, but. Um, right. Do you, do you think Obi-Wan will try to say, I'm sorry? Yes. I do. Maybe. I, I think he will, but I, will, I also think he will say, 
your dad to me. You know, well, and I think, right, like, yeah, that's where he is when we meet him in the original trilogy. Like, to mm -hmm. Luke, Vader's gone. Don't waste Yeah, Anakin is dead. Yeah. Anakin is dead. And this is what kills Anakin for for Obi Wan, I think. Um, Or confirms to him that Anakin is dead. Right. Uh, Because he's believed Anakin to be dead these 10 years. Yeah. So, what's, why should he believe otherwise now? You know, why should he change that stance? If Anakin isn't in the actions and the the thoughts of what's inside that mask, then why why even call him that? You know? Yeah. So Yeah. Um there, there you have it. There are some of our collected favorite moments across parts three and four of Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, again, as I said, you know, as this comes out, you're going to be living with part five as well. Um, so hopefully you enjoyed this conversation around parts three and four. Um, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks to talk parts five and six. Uh, can't wait mm-hmm. um, for all of you, you know, f- uh, tuning in next week. We figure we're going to we're going to split up the general Kenobi conversation and talk some of our top Darth Vader moments next week, just to shake things up a bit, have some fun. And we also said we haven't done a top Mm -hmm. five in a while. We love top fives. We're going to do a top five Darth Vader. Yes, we do next week. Um, Also at the, uh, this weekend um, I have been dragging my feet. Sorry, Jason, but Jason did a bunch of really (laughs) awesome panels at the Tucson fan fest, fan fusion whatever the hell it is. Yeah. Phoenix fan Phoenix comic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple of weeks back. That one. So yep, yeah, those will be, those will be up for you to, to peruse this weekend if you feel so inclined. Um, but Jen, most of all, thank you for coming on. Thank you for making the time to do this. Uh, I know you're super busy. You have children and you also have cats. Yay. Um, and uh, you made the time <laughs> to be here. So thank you so much. Uh, and if folks want to stay in touch with the, the wonderful takes you have on star Wars, among other things, you're doing great work with Marvel as well. I know you're, you loved the first miss Marvel episode. Also super excited for that new episode in a few hours. Um, where can folks follow your blog, follow you, give us the deets. Sure. Well, uh, before, before I get to that, I just want to say a big thank you for having me on. This has been so incredibly fun. Um, uh, and you know, I, I love listening to this podcast and I think the insights that you always bring and the thoughtful discussion is, is such a joy. Um, and in particular, like the, the, the theological perspective that I don't usually think of because that's not part of my academic background, um, is always like such a, such a just rich, uh, layer onto what I'm already thinking about whenever I see any of these series or, or reading the books. Um, and, and, you know, and in such a fun kind of loving way, um, that's so positive in the fandom community. Um, the other thing I want to say, I want to shout out the, the, our mutual friend who's not here, Greg, <laughs> Ion Cannon, um, yes. because I think, you know, he's a longtime friend from grad school and, uh, I was a few years ahead of him. We shared an office, but I was a few years ahead of him in our program. And so we used to always joke that I was the Qui-Gon and he was the Obi-Wan, uh, and, uh, you know, we had Master Padawan jokes that we exchanged, right? <laughs> when he would ask me questions and stuff. Um, but I do feel like right now that the, the tables have turned and, and him kind of, ch- you know, introducing me to the, the Star Wars community, the Star Wars podcasting community and, and allowing him, uh, you know, him giving me the opportunity to, to have great conversations with folks like you has been just the, the best gift, um, 
that that he could have given me. So shout out, shout out to Greg. <laughs> um, uh, but you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Subchakchai. Uh, that's S O P. C-H-O-C-K-C-H-A-I. Um, and I have a blog. It's also a newsletter. So if you prefer, like if you're not scouring social media all the time and not following me, um, you can subscribe for free uh, and get the weekly breakdowns of Marvel and Star Wars uh, Disney Plus shows. I, you know, I also try to cover any of the new films, like new releases for Marvel and Star Wars is sort of like my bare minimum. That's what I will always cover. And then other films, if I can get to them and other shows on top of that, that are kind of in the, the nerd culture space. Um, so that's the long take. Uh, that's the long take dot Um So you can go there. Uh, you can follow me on social media or, and I post those there, or you can go to directly to the site uh, and subscribe and, and get those in your inbox uh, at least once a week. Great. Awesome. I love the long take. It's always brilliant. And I always Thank love you. that when you post them, you put the short take, <laughs> right? Like you just give your quick kind of like one or two sentence summation, but then the long take is always just so brilliant. So, uh, so are the Thank short you. takes. I, I, so. you know, I understand that people don't always have time to read text because Substack tells me that it usually averages like 10 minute read if you read the whole thing, um, which is more time than I know people have because time is precious. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if you're still here, you've been listening to us for over an hour and 40 minutes. So you got time for a 10 minute <laughs> blog. That's um. true. <laughs> this is the right yeah. audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, close your eyes and you will see the way. It's to the long take. So. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, um. All right. Well. That, I think, is going to wrap things up. Carl, if people want to uh, follow us or weigh in on any of the discussion that we've had about Obi-Wan Kenobi so far, uh, where can people do that? Yeah, we're on Twitter as well at Wampas Lair. Also can find us on Instagram at The Wampas Lair. And you can email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And uh, thank you again, Jen, for coming on. We really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, anything else, Carl, before we close down this episode? No, it, uh, like you said, Janet was a pleasure and uh, excited for part five of Kenobi in the next few hours. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, that will wrap up this episode of the Wampas Lair podcast. This has been episode number 472, Kenobi parts three and four. For Carl and Jen, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampas Lair.